Hi, this is Adam Godbold, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you listening to our podcast. This week we begin a new church year with the season of Advent, these four weeks before Christmas. Scratch. Hi, this is Adam Godbold, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you listening to our podcast. This morning we begin a new church year with the first Sunday of Advent. Advent's a season of four Sundays just prior to Christmas Day when the church prepares itself, not just for Christmas Day, for the return of Jesus as He comes back to earth to put the world back together. And so our theme this this year for Advent is heaven and earth. And this morning our passage came from from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 1, verse 2 through chapter 2, verse 5. Ugh, why can't I say what I'm wanting to say, Banks? Hi, this is Adam Godbold, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you listening to our podcast. This morning we begin a new season. Um, oh, hi, this is Adam Godbold, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad to have you listening to our podcast. This morning we begin a new church year with the season of Advent. Advent's a, a, a time of four Sundays just prior to Christmas where the church prepares itself not just for Christmas Day, but for the return of Jesus as He'll come again to put the world back together. And so our theme this year, uh, these four Sundays, is heaven and earth. And we're going to be teasing out that theme throughout our podcast, throughout our sermons this uh, this season. And uh, this morning we were talking about the idea of hope from the prophet Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2 through chapter 2 verse 5, which seems like a very hopeless passage. But may you have the hope that Jesus the Incarnate One brings and may you be that hope to someone else. Blessings to you as you find your hope in Him. The word of our Lord from the prophet Isaiah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, and my people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city unless the lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant we would have become like sodom we would have been made like gomorrah hear the word of the lord you rulers of sodom give ear to the law of our god you people of gomorrah to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me says the lord i've had enough of burnt offerings of rams the fat of fed cattle i do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. 
Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become a harlot. It was full of justice, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follows after rewards. They do not defend the fatherless, nor does the cause of the widow come before them. Therefore, the Lord says, the Holy One of hosts, the Mighty One of Israel, Ah, I will rid myself of my adversaries and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross and take away all your alloy. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with righteousness and justice, and her penitence shall be filled with justice and righteousness. The destruction of transgressors and of sinners shall be together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the terebinth trees which you have desired. And you shall be embarrassed because of the gardens which you have chosen. For you shall be as a terebinth whose leaf fades and as a garden that has no water. The strong shall be as tender and the work of it as a spark. Both will burn together and no one will quench them. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted before the hills, and all nations will flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. You know, Advent's an odd season. It's um, not a very popular season, and it it's even is named kind of weird. Advent does that weird word even mean? Most of us might ask. Advent is the beginning of the church's liturgical year. So this is kind of our New Year's. This is where it all begins. And it's a very odd and strange way to begin. It's a time of preparation. Not just for Christmas Day, not just hanging stockings and putting up lights and getting out special scented candles and all the things that we typically associate with Christmas time. It's a time of preparation For the coming of Christ at His return. Not just at His birth, but as at His return. When He comes again to receive us, to put the world back together, 
And it's a time of preparation for judgment because of that. So what a weird way to begin a year. To start thinking ahead about judgment. To start thinking ahead about what is to happen when Christ returns. Judgment sounds like a bad deal, doesn't it? When you hear the word judgment, you think, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. This isn't going to pan out well. But judgment in the Scriptures is not a, it's not a legal term. It's not about trouble. It's actually about reordering society. It's a political term, not a legal term. Judgment in the Bible is about God putting things back together. Putting back together a broken world. Putting back together what has gone wrong. Which presupposes that something has gone wrong. And that's where the, the, the prophet Isaiah comes in. Judgment is good news when it means fixing what's wrong. The prophet tells us something has indeed gone terribly wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong with God's people who He's made in His image. The prophet will go on to say there's not one who is righteous. Not one. The Lord says, I looked out upon my people to find one who could intercede for everyone. Just one who did the right thing. Just one who loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just one who loved their neighbor as themselves. And there wasn't one. Something has gone terribly wrong. And so this season of Advent, it's a season in which we prepare and specifically prepare for the judgment of God when Christ returns to restore all things. And therefore, it's also a time and a season of repentance. Repentance is a hard thing to do, but it's a very simple task. Repentance is about admitting that something is wrong. And even more than that, admitting that what is wrong is in here. And in here. That there's something fundamentally wrong in our hearts and in our minds. What's wrong with the world, as G.K. Chesterton said in a reply to a letter from the editor, What's wrong is me. What's wrong is us. It's humanity that's gone wrong. As the prophet will say when he approaches the throne room of God and cries out for mercy, we are broken and sinful. We are unclean and undone. And we live among people who are broken and sinful. And the evidence is all around us. It's all around you. If you watch the news, it's on the news. If you listen to the news, it's on the news. Even if you don't listen to the news, you might be trying to listen to the sports. The news is going to pop up and tell you about what all is wrong in the world. And yet, Advent, as a time of preparation, and as a time of preparing for judgment, a time of repentance, it becomes to us then a time of hope. For only through repentance is there hope for the world. 
Only by admitting that something is wrong and that something that is wrong is in me, only then is there the hope of redemption. Just as the problem rests in human persons, each one of us, so also does our hope rest in a human person. More specifically, a divine person who became a human person. And this will become shockingly clear throughout Isaiah's prophecy. The Lord looks out among His people for one who is righteous. One who will intercede for the people. One who could be a mediator. One who could serve as a priest. One who could fill in the gap and bridge the chasm between God and man. And finding none, He sends His own right arm. His eternal Son. Our need is in a person. The need of the world, all of the needs of the world, rest in a person. Jesus. The Messiah. The One who is to come to put the world back together. To fix what was broken. To redeem and rescue what is lost. Because of all that is wrong in the earth, God said, I will send heaven to earth. To redeem the earth. To rescue it. In the Scriptures, heaven is about where God dwells. It is where He is, where He lives. And earth is about where mankind dwells. It's where we are, where we live. And all throughout the Scriptures, even beginning in the book of Genesis and working its way through throughout the prophets and the psalmists, in the Gospels and the epistles, and then ending in Revelation, you've got this, this, this thread of a theme that is about the overlapping of heaven and earth together. God dwelling with man. God being with His people. Heaven and earth meeting. They met in the tabernacle. They met in the temple. They met especially in the Holy of Holies. But they met at other times and in other places they, they met together as Moses stood before the burning bush and Yahweh said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Something has descended here. They happened at Jacob's dream. As he rested with his head on a rock and saw a ladder and the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder. He woke up and said, God is here. Heaven is here. And so in the person of Jesus, heaven and earth 
meet together. The One who created the world comes to His broken and undone and sinful world to rescue it. To mediate. To serve as our priest. To bridge the gap between us and God. To intercede in our behalf. The hope of the world rests in an incarnate person. The person of Jesus. The one who became flesh to rescue fallen flesh. The infinite one who became finite. The almighty one who became a baby. Before that, he became a zygote. A zygote. Adjectival form of a baby. You know, we're surrounded by people who've come to the realization that we have no hope within ourselves. We're surrounded by people who are hopeless, who recognize that the world is fundamentally flawed, that there's something fundamentally broken that needs to be fixed, and who recognize there seems to be nothing that we can do to make it right. We're surrounded by people who are living in denial of our hopelessness. Trying to fill life with all manner of quick fixes that in the end really fix nothing. What God offers to us is a simple bargain. A very simple exchange. Put away your wrongdoing and do what is right. Put away your old life and live a new life. Put away all of your hopelessness and all that has led you to hopelessness and embrace Me, the only One who is your hope. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they could be like wool. Come now, let us reason together. Be reasonable. Do the reasonable thing. The reasonable thing is to surrender yourself completely to the Lord's redeeming work in you. The reasonable thing is at the beginning of this new church year, at the beginning of this season of Advent, where we've got so many things happening as we prepare for Christmas Day, to stop and say, you know what? I'm going to prepare for the most important thing 
which Christmas is supposed to be all about. I'm going to prepare to meet with Jesus. Because it's possible to miss Him. You and I might miss Him. The innkeeper missed Him. You and I, if we're not careful, we might get so caught up in our own lives, in our own busyness, in our own self-importance, that we not just miss Him, but we also reject Him. He came to His own, but His own did not receive Him. The hope of the world, the hope of your life and mine, and the hope of our families and our friends, the hope of our neighbors, the hope of all of those who surround us who seem utterly hopeless, is in you and me as we give ourselves completely and surrender ourselves completely to the One who is the world's hope. So surrender yourself completely to His redeeming work in you, and surrender yourself to His redeeming work through you. Don't miss the One who is the world's hope. Don't miss the one who is your hope. Don't miss him. Father, we pray that you would move among us. That you would touch our hearts. That you would draw us to Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you minister to our hearts and to our minds as we continue to lift up our voices in song, as we respond. Your word to us, your message to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us to respond with the fullness of who we are and help us to give ourselves completely and unreservedly to you, the only one who is our hope, the one who is the hope of the world. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, we love You. We worship You. We bow before You. You made us to know You and to love You, and only in You do we find hope. As we step into the mystery of this holy season of Advent, we pray that You would help us to rest in stillness and in silence before we tread further. Help us to take precious time to breathe in Your beauty and marvel at Your majesty. 
Your faithfulness to us and to the world that you created is relentless and restless. Thank you for loving us so passionately and for caring for us so perfectly. As we gather together as your people this morning and worship you in the name of your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we rejoice in the gladdening presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for being with us. Thank you for welcoming us into your courts and longing to be near us and longing for us to be near you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are lovely. You are filled with glory and beauty. And we love you. Father, you know every need that we have. You know everything for which we are thankful. Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness to us and how merciful you've been to us. We thank you for meeting our needs, for keeping us healthy and strong, for bringing us here this morning. Lord, we thank you that you're watching over those who are away from us this morning. We lift them up to you and pray for all of our families that are traveling, all those that are away on business. We pray that you would be with them, that you would watch over them, that you would keep them safe, that you'd bring them home to us safely. Lord, we love you and we thank you for how good you are to us. And we cast all of our cares on you for you care for us. Lord, everything that we have going on in life, every worry that we have, every concern that's on our minds in this hour, Lord, we bring them to You and we lay them at Your feet. Lord, meet every need. Be with us and give grace. Almighty God, please give us the grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which Your Son... Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility so that in the last day when He shall come again in His glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through Him who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of God and the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we go in the grace of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.